Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, everybody, welcome back to the the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And on today's episode, I want to give you guys an update on the current research coming out of uh, from George Barna and Arizona Christian University. Um, it is uh, important work that uh, Barna is doing, him and his team, and it's something that is really important that I think we as Christians are up to date as these types of research come out. And so uh, we're going to keep talking about these things because uh, they they do really, really matter. And so um, they tell us, the, the Barna Research Center tells us that the first national study of uh, America's worldview since COVID-19, they remark, uh, the COVID-19 lockdown show that incidents of biblical worldview, they report, has fallen from a mere 4% to a drop of one-third uh, from the 6% recorded just three years earlier. And this report from George Barnett and the Cultural Research Center, specifically at Arizona Christian University, it reveals that uh, b- the biblical understanding has fallen uh, throughout American society with Declines in almost every demographic subgroup in the uh, gnome. And uh, so they they report this, that since the start of the pandemic, one of seven adults, 14%, are what Dr. Barner re- re- uh, says are emergent followers, compared to 25% uh, uh, three years earlier. Emergent followers, they define that as individuals who lack a fully formed biblical worldview but still possess a substantial number of beliefs and behaviors consistent with biblical principles. And in the wake of the pandemic, the bulk of the American population, 82%, falls into the world citizen category described as people who they say may embrace a few biblical principles but generally believe and behave in ways that are distinct from biblical teaching. And the number of world citizens has grown substantially, according to them, from the 69% registered in January 2020. And perhaps the most striking decline was even among born-again Christians with biblical worldview levels, they say, dropping six percentage points from pre-COVID levels. And now they also uh, document the decline in uh, biblical worldview even among American adults, including recent findings of a drop from 6% to 4% since the start of the pandemic. And during this latest research, there was a starting point for addressing the nation's worldview crisis through what Dr. Barnett describes as the center cornerstones, he remarks, of what a biblical worldview is. And this new research uh, makes it clear that with these seven specific beliefs, a person is far more likely to possess a biblical worldview. And without all seven, it is highly unlikely a person will have a biblical worldview. 
And so more than 80% of adults who embrace these seven basic biblical teachings hold to a biblical worldview compared to only a relative handful of people who do not hold all seven. And so here's what Dr. Barnett proposes as the seven cornerstones of a biblical worldview. An orthodox biblical understanding of God. That all humans are sinful by nature. Every choice we make has moral considerations and consequences. And knowing Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation through our confession of sin and reliance on his forgiveness. The entire Bible is true, reliable, and relevant, making it the best moral guide for every person in all situations. Absolute moral truth exists, and those truths are defined by God, described in the Bible, and are unchanging against over and against all times and all cultures, he says. And so the ultimate purpose of human life, according to Barnett, is to know, to love, to serve God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul. And success on earth, last point, is best understood as consistent obedience to God in thoughts, in word, and in deed. And Dr. Barnett, he is quick to point out that these seven cornerstones are basic Christian tenets not an advanced or even a sophisticated theological construct. And still, these deceptively simple biblical principles require more than casual assent. assent. And the worldview research that they've done indicates that an individual must have both an understanding of the principles and a passionate, thoughtful ownership of them in order to build a biblical worldview. And so this release, it, it also comments on how American adults are doing on these specific cornerstones that we're talking about today. And only 50% of American adults, according to this study, embrace uh, a true nature of God as described in the Bible. Only 35% believe that Jesus is the only way for salvation. Only 27% recognize humans as sinful. 46% accept the Bible as true and reliable. A slim 25% believe in the absolute truth rooted in the Bible. 36% see their purpose as serving God. But only 23% define success as obeying God. And this is not surprising given the fact that in the last few years, as we've talked now on this show about the state of theology, which came out last summer, and, and even other statistics that are that are coming out from the American Bible Institute and, and others, what these statistics tell us is that many Christians do not believe the Bible. They do not hold to uh, even the Bible's own definition of sin and salvation, uh, but not even, not even believing the fact that there is uh, only 35% of people that believe Jesus is the only way of salvation. And 46% accept the Bible as true and reliable. And, and even a, a slim 25% believe in absolute truth rooted in the Word. That is telling. We are living in a, in a time when even uh, that, that state of theology, one of the things that it said overwhelmingly is that American Christian adults believe that, that God changes. Well, the Bible tells us uh, 
what we theologians, we use the word immutability for this very reason, and it, and it is based on Hebrews 13, 5 and 9, which tell us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, because the Bible's witness is that God is unchanging, and Titus 1, 2 tells us that God never lies. Well, how do we know God apart from the revelation that he has given to us? And the answer is, overwhelmingly, we cannot know God apart from the 66 books in which he has declared to us is enough. It's the only way to know God. This is specific revelation, and from specific revelation comes our belief in the reliability, the trustworthiness, the the uh, belief in the sufficiency of Scripture, that Scripture is enough for us. It's for enough for our life and for our godliness, and that the Bible's teaching is clear in all that it addresses. And so we use fancy theological words like inspiration, inerrancy, infallibility. Uh, Inerrancy means, as we've talked about, without error. Infallibility means without the possibility of error. And so uh, these kinds of statements, these statements that people are making in response to questions posed to them are not surprising to me, to anybody that is paying attention to what is happening in our day. Because we are living, as we're going to continue to talk about, we're living in a time when, as this very statistic tells us, that a slim 25% believe in absolute truth rooted in the Word of God. And that is very telling because what we're seeing is is more and more influence of, of, of teachers that profess to be teaching the Bible, they they were at maybe at one time were even considered orthodox, and yet they have abandoned even a uh, by their own teaching. They have either at at worst they have undermined the authority of the Bible, and they have definitely explicitly denied the sufficiency of the Scripture for every phase and stage of life. These teachers, some of them, they were even professors at leading seminaries at one time, uh, even pre-COVID. And and some of these people you would recognize. And now they proudly support the woke as broke agenda that is uh, being proliferated throughout our churches all across this land, and it is alive from the pit of hell. Uh, because it, what it does is it brings division and sows discord in our churches. And Ephesians 2 is very clear that Christ broke down the dividing wall between uh, the Jews and the Gentiles, and he made way for men and women to be reconciled and one, uh, be- reconciled, I should say, to God through the death and resurrection of Christ and united to him in that text in Ephesians 2 uh, because they are his and he is theirs. And so our unity, the very fact of our unity is established. Uh, the unity that we have uh, in the body of Christ, the unity that we have uh, that is established uh, in, in our local churches, it is a doctrinal, it is a theological unity grounded in the fact of of uh, the of what we call union with Christ, that Christ is ours and we are his, and we are his forevermore. He is, uh, he is ours and we are his forever. And that is such a beautiful truth. But the only reason that we know that truth to be true is, is because we know the Bible and we believe the tr- Bible and we hold fast to it and we uphold it uh, as the very word of God, as as we've talked with uh, Vodi Bakum and about uh, about the the woke and 
uh, social justice. And as we've talked with Owen Strahan on the show about, you know, social justice and wokeism, and as we've just even recently in the last, uh, the, earlier this year, had John Benzinger on about his book with G3 Press, which I'm a fellow G3 Press author. Uh, the th- reason that we need to have continue to talk about these things is because, friends, the reason that we need to talk about these statistics and we need to continue to talk about them is because behind the worldview that people have are real people. People are real people. You and I, like us, they have real convictions. They have real beliefs. And yet we need to also understand that behind the beliefs, that because of the those convictions and those beliefs that we have, that those things shape our lives. They shape the way in which we see our lives. That's, that's really where we get the idea of worldview, by the way. A worldview is, is it, it's not only just what we believe, it's also what then, it, because we believe it, it's going to impact our life and thus shape the way in which we see the world. And as Christians, the way in which our world is to be shaped, we are to be grounded in the inerrant or excuse me, the inspired, inerrant, infallible, clear, sufficient, and binding word of God. That it provides the foundation to for the Christian to have a biblical worldview in which and, and a lens through which they can see the world. And this is why these statistics matter because then because these these statistics show us the worldview of of those who profess to have faith in in Christ and how they're lacking in a biblical worldview and and then how how and why we're having the issues that we are in our churches in in the greater broader uh, Protestant and evangelical and even reform movements and so we need to keep talking about these things we need to keep reading and studying and meditating and memorizing the word and and we need to lean in when the word is preached to us because you know what this is what the holy spirit is aiming to do he's aiming to take the truth that we hear uh preached and that we read and we study and we meditate and we memorize and he's aiming to drive it deeper and deeper into our hearts into our lives so that we might be more formed and shaped by the word And so, friends, uh, as we wrap up this episode, and I want you to be encouraged today. Be encouraged today that even in the midst of of these uh, these statistics, uh, you, especially you who preach and teach the word, pastor, be encouraged. Because the Lord is using your faithful labors to help people to grow in their literacy of the Bible. And be encouraged if you are studying, if you are reading and you are studying and you are meditating and you're memorizing the word and you're leaning in and you're taking notes and you're taking home the truth of of the word preached. Guess what? The Lord is going to use that. And that is how you are going to be a, a useful instrument in the hands of the Lord. Uh, as as Robert Murray McShane once said, a holy weapon in the hands of God. And that's that's really what we should be as Christians. We should be holy weapons in the hands of God because we have the word of God. It is the truth. We are living in a time that is very concerned with the idea of post-truth, that somehow we've moved past the idea of 
the truth even be knowing, uh, knowable, I should say. And yet God has told us, God has spoken. He has given us the 66 books that constitute the Bible. And so the Bible is enough, we can say, and the Bible is binding in our lives. And so word that you read and that you study and that you meditate on and that you memorize and that that is, that is uh, the word that you're hearing preached, guess what? That's a word that is grounded in the revelation of God. And this is a word Titus 1-2 says never lies. It's, it's uh, Psalm 1-2. We are told that the godly delight in the law of the Lord. That is in the instruction of the, the Lord. And that is only noble, only found in the word of God. And so we need the revelation that God has given to us in the 66 books. And we are living, this isn't even the most egregious thing. We're living in a time, friends, as we talked about recently. We're living in a time when many people would rather just take out the parts about gender and sexuality out of the Bible. They would rather just rip it out of the Bible itself. And yet the only way to grow, the only way to be grounded in and shaped uh, as, as a Christian, as a, as a disciple, that is a learner of Christ, is in the Word of God. And so we need the Scriptures. We need the Scriptures so that we can have a biblical worldview, so that as we look out in the midst of this world, we can remember what John 14, 26 says, that Jesus has gone ahead to prepare a place for us, and that place, that home, is in heaven. And Jesus is enough. And if you are in Christ, you are going to that home, that place that that uh, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 4.8, he was eagerly anticipating, he was eagerly longing for. And so for brothers and sisters, we need to meditate, as Philippians 4.8 says, on what is noble and what is true and what is good. And that is in the word of God, which tells us about Christ. Be steadfast, be steadfast in the Lord. And Enjoy the joy who you are in Christ. Enjoy the union that you have because you are his and he is yours forevermore. And so enjoy who Christ is. Enjoy what Christ is doing. And enjoy the benefits and the privileges that are yours because of your union with Christ. You are united to him by faith in his name. And so enjoy that by reading the word and studying the word and uh, growing in the word and in and in knowledge and skill of the word, and then you'll have a growing biblical worldview. You'll understand also what sin is and what we are as humans, and over and against what our culture is saying about gender and gender ideology and sexual confusion and how it abounds. And it, it's because behind those viewpoints are theologies. Behind those viewpoints are secular philosophies that oppose themselves and raise themselves against the knowledge of God. And what God calls us to do in Jude 3, he calls us to earnestly contend once and for all for, uh, for the truth delivered to the saints. And and uh, we are called in 1 Peter 3.15 to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have and to do it with gentleness and respect. And by the way, as I mentioned many times before, no doubt, in Galatians 5.22, those fruits of the spirits are the very things that God is by his grace through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is working those truths more and more and more into our hearts, into our lives. He is helping us 
to increase in them. In Second Peter 1, uh, 5 through 10, he says that we are to, Peter says that we're to increase in these qualities. And so may that be true of you and I, because we are united to Christ by faith in his name. We're going to be humble. We're going to keep reading the word. We're going to keep studying the word. We're going to keep meditating on the word. We're going to keep memorizing the word. And we're going to keep leaning in as our pastor faithfully preaches to us from the word of God. And we're going to keep uh, doing life with one another in our local churches, all for God's glory. And we're going to keep speaking out about things that really matter because they matter. Because behind the things that people say and the things that people believe are theologies, their philosophies. And there are things then that are, that are molding them and shaping them. And we need to speak truth, God's truth, the only truth that matters. As Hebrews 4.12 says, that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it pierces into the heart into the marrow and so we are to the only offensive weapon that we have been given is a sword and that sword cuts and it pierces and yet it also comforts and yet it also it, it brings people uh, because Romans ten seventeen says hearing uh, this by because they hear the word preached Paul says in Romans ten seventeen that this is the word of Christ this is the mean one of the means that God uses to bring sinners to salvation and God desires to bring sinners to himself. Jesus came, Luke 19.10 says, to seek and to save the lost. And we have a commission. We have a commission to make disciples who make disciples all for God's glory and for the good of our society and for the good of the church. We are to do, as Paul said to Timothy, the work of an evangelist. And so may we be steadfast immovable, abounding with great joy, as 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says. And may we do it all for the honor, all that we do, all that we say, all that we write, all that we podcast, all that we teach in any setting, and all that we post on social media, all that we write on the internet. May it be done for that aim, to reach the lost, to make disciples, to build up the church, to strengthen the saints for the work of ministry all for God's glory and for our good. Because you know what? It really matters. It matters. It matters that we use our voice for the glory and the honor of our great God. God, the only reason that you and I are still here in the first place is to is to know God and to testify of his good grace and his mercy through Christ. And so may we rise up and may we speak up about these things because they matter. It matters that we contend for the faith. It matters that we stand fast and uh, steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It matters that Ephesians 5.1 says that you walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you received. It matters, uh, homeschool mom. It matters how you love and care for your children as you teach them in your home. Uh, men, it matters how you lovingly lead your spouse and how you deal with conflict in your home. It, it matters. And it matters, Pastor, as you stand up in the pulpit. It matters how you preach the word as you're commanded to in, in 2 Peter or not in Second Peter, but in Second Timothy 4, to preach the word in season and out of season because it is the very means that God uses as an instrument to bring sinners to salvation and faith and repentance and faith in his name. It is a means that God, by his grace, uses uh, through the Spirit to help the saints, to equip them for the work of ministry and, and for growing in skill and knowledge of the word, as Second Timothy 2.15 says. And so, brothers, uh, 
If you're a pastor, you must stand on the word. You must stand fast on the word. Dear Christian, you must stand fast. Whatever means, whatever influence, whatever platform, whether that's in your home, on the internet, in your local church, or in your workplace. See, all of life is to be lived before the face of God and for the honor of God to make disciples, to reach the lost, and to strengthen uh, your brothers and sisters in your local church for their good, for your for your good as well, so that together we might grow to be like Christ and, and so that we might testify to a watching world of the glories of our great King and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, well... With all that said, as always, I want to say thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Equip You and Grace podcast. Until next week, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.